Hey folks, welcome to the Encuentros Latinx podcast, where we explore stories of spirituality, identity, and culture from Latinx perspectives. Okay, we are live. So welcome to a very special episode of Encuentros Latinx. Uh, we are breaking our formats for this episode to demonstrate our racism and LGBTQ toolkits. Regular listeners on the show have heard some excerpted readings uh, from these uh, toolkits, and now you'll get to sort of see more of them in action and also find out how you can, if you're in a church setting, you can use them in your own congregations. So we're going to start off uh, by uh, doing a round of introductions. So um, we're going to do this by giving our names, pronouns, and what countries slash countries we all, our families, et cetera, come from. What is our Latinidad, right? So uh, I am Taylor. My pronouns are she, her, ella, and I am Puerto Rican and various types of European. Soy Rina Ramos, and uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers, ella, y mi país nat natal es El Salvador, uh, y luego de eso, parte de mi formación, pues, es Nueva York, Long Island, uh, pero sí, en mi corazón hay un pequeño volcán, because I am forever a Salvadorian and an immigrant. I'm Justo González II, uh, Puerto Rican origin, uh, and then also New Yorican origin. Uh, my pronouns are él, he, his, uh, and I am married to James, a Filipino immigrant. Hola, everyone. Uh, my name is Lisette Merchan. Um, I'm a minister within the Kansas, Oklahoma Conference here in the United States. I'm originally from uh, Colombia in South America, and I'm married to Jenny, and it's been 22 happy years. And I am both um, birth, birth, birthed in Colombia and adopted here in the U.S. Glad to be here. I, I am Persida. Rivera Mendez, I'm an ordained minister of the United Church of Christ, retired right now um, and doing other things, but uh, my pronouns is um, she, her, and ella, and I'm originally from Ponce, Puerto Rico. Hello, my name is Marcelino Rivera, uh, originally from Puerto Rico. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, he's él, and I live right now in uh, Orlando, Florida. Thank you everyone for introducing yourselves. Now we will introduce uh, our toolkits. Uh, today's meeting is gonna be centered on the toolkits that Encuentros Latinx put together. Encuentros Latinx is a program of the United Church of Christ, the national setting to open doors for LGBTQ I siblings in faith communities, particularly UCC Latinx communities, but also to open doors for us Latinx within very traditionally white uh, churches of the UCC to make ourselves visible. And this is why many of the people here 
provided writings that were put in their voices, in their personal stories, to try to begin these conversations. When you use these toolkits, it might be just the tip of the iceberg. It might be just the spark that's gonna make you want to know more. It might not solve all the questions you have. It might leave you more with more questions, but it's our desire that we start somewhere. And so these uh, toolkits are based and we hope to have them be used in a, in a way that it, it connects with your souls. It connects with the communities that you are serving. The values that we want to use when we are using our toolkits are love. We want to base our conversations in the love that Jesus Christ told us to give one another so that we can keep listening to each other in openness and compassion and just see through our humanity. We want to keep our humility in mind. We want to realize that we learn each day and throughout our lives. We don't know everything, and that is the beautiful part of life. And we can always learn more if we are open and humble during the process while doing work like this. We want to remain curious, actively engage with the material, ask questions from a sincere place of wanting to know more. And we want to show respect. We want to seek to see the divine in these testimonies to hold them as the truths for your siblings. Remember that everyone who has contributed work into these toolkits, they have opened themselves up to share their painful and joyful experiences as the quote unquote other. And we want to provide a spirit of respect, knowing that everybody's opinion can be put on the table and that we can all learn from one another and that we can all hear each other. And with that, I, we'll go to our first reading. I'm Justo. I'm a New Yorican, born and raised in Buffalo, New York. So you could even play with the guard, a Buffarican. Um, but I was fully, fully immersed into Puerto Rican culture and expectations in the neighborhood that I grew up in. I like to refer it, to it as Nuestro Barrio or Our Barrio. I learned many things from my dad and the macho dominated culture within the Latin community. I learned that education, that's good. I also learned that words, certain words were bad even if at the time I did not fully understand them. Words like bottle, what's that? Faggot or maricón, another beautiful word. Note the sarcasm for anyone that did not live or embrace a heteronormative expectation. Those people, esa gente, what people? You have to be a man 
Ah, I have all the right plumbing, but it's not about your sexual orgasms or organs. It's how you use them that makes you, quote unquote, a man or not. Those fags should die. Esos patos deben de morir. Those are, quote unquote, odd folk. Those odd folk will go to hell and they deserve it. As a child, I began to notice that I got more excited being around other boys than girls. Quite frankly, girls did nothing for me. Boys brought a tingle to my life, an excitement. Santa Maria, Madre de Dios, this can't be. This is unacceptable. Panic becomes my life. I thought that I might be a quote-unquote pato or maricón. I worry that my family, especially my father, would hate me, that others might kill me. I was violating a cultural expectation of quote-unquote being macho whatever that means. But I had also learned that macho in a Latino context meant that you could violate your spouse, your wife, and love her. Then beat the crap out of her like if she was an animal or a piece of meat and you were still quote unquote macho. I mean, you could have concubines in old Latinx culture, but what it was expected was discretion. Well, my father never learned discretion. I got a clear message. Don't let anyone know that you're having these feelings. Hide, you are unworthy of your Puerto Rican race. Once I had my first encounter with a man, actually a young man or a teenager, I knew that I was gay. It was exciting and yet I cried all night. My father, my culture, my church had already taught me that I would be condemned to the pits of hell. How could this be? I was still the same justo. I was kind, loving. I believed in God. I longed to follow Jesus and knew since the age of 13 that I was called to ordain minister. I asked God to take this cup away from me, but God did not. Even in college, I could not let anyone know my deepest, darkest secret. I've come to learn that I am fully created by God, by Dios. I am celebrated as a gay Latinx male. 
as a pastor and as a spouse to my husband, James. My father died without us ever speaking to each other about what we both knew. I liked men as much as he enjoyed women. I never dared say, Papi, yo soy hijo de Dios, y tu hijo y gay. Dad, I'm a child of God, your son, and I'm gay. I simply did not know if I would be rejected. Tears begin to flow down my face, embraced or never trusted myself to actually speak the truth to him. Even as I held his hand and I forgave him of all his inconsistencies and blessed him to eternity. Mom looked at me one day and brought up the subject. She sat me down in the kitchen and blessed me saying, I have always loved you and always will. You are loved. Take care of each other. I love you both. My uneducated Puerto Rican mother who was taken out of school by her father and the third grade so that her brothers could go to school blessed me. She saw me for who I was. Words alone cannot express what a blessing that meant. My tears I'm shedding as I write speak to the power of love and the power of being seen. Thank you, Justo. So now after hearing this story, I'd like to lead the group in a breathing exercise. So let's all take a deep breath in and breathe out. And we'll do that a second time. Breathe in and breathe out. Once more now, breathe in and breathe out. And so now we'll move into our discussion time, reflecting on this reading. So first, write down or share your initial thoughts and questions after hearing this testimony. One turn that comes to my mind is uh, letting go. Um, in, in hearing Husto share his story, yes, there's a lot of, of pain and a lot of things that he left unspoken, but at this time, there was a lot, it seemed that he was able to let go of. And I think LGBTQ people have to live in that tension a lot. Um, what are we going to, what hurts are we going to hold on to? And 
what we're going to be able to let go, uh, that varies between person and it can vary in different stages of our lives. You can open your microphones and let us know. But one thing that comes through this piece every time I hear Hermano Justo read it is the pain of carrying not accept acceptance by people he loves. I just want to say that every time I hear Justo's testimony, I'm reminded of my brother's journey as well. Um, when he wasn't he wasn't able to, to say who he was for a long, long time. So when he was speaking, I could relate to that a little bit when you said that you felt like you weren't seen. And when you asked God to change you, my brother did the same thing. And it, it, it made me, it, it was painful to hear and it was painful to be reminded that my brother had similar journey but I know that today my brother's loved and I, and I owe it really to the United Church of Christ to have opened my eyes and my mind and my heart uh, to the GBLT community. Because I came, as you know, from a tradition, like you said, that condemned, um, condemned the GBLT to hell. But today I will stand with you. Today I will fight for you. And today I want to tell you, I love you all. So thank you for that heartfelt testimony. Uto. Thank you for feeling that you could also share your brother's and the similarities and the tension about being who we are and being invisible. Thank you, everyone. Um, is this something that we don't even rehearse because this is what the toolkits will do. We, we were very convinced when they were put together that they were anointed. Uh, and so we wanna take them to every church, every conference that welcomes them. And the podcast is gonna be a way to, to do it. Uh, and now we're gonna move to the other piece of the work, which is introducing the conversation of how our churches exist in the intersections of race, class, and all those things. And our toolkit, as I mentioned before, our toolkit is just one step, one little stone that gets thrown in the river to create the first ripples. So with that, we're going to have a reading by Reverend Lisette Merchant at this time. I moved to the United States in 2001 from Colombia because I fell in love. I learned English at school back home as my parents understood learning a second language was a matter of worldly need. I only started to speak, to speak it as my life was unraveling in the country of my beloved. The world of love lived out out of the need to insert oneself in a brand new context. I don't remember exactly at what age I learned to read, 
I do remember asking my mom going over our local Spanish newspaper to please let me know when I knew how to read the innocence of a child's realm. Then I grew up and moved two continents away where I joined our home church and serve as a member first, then as a volunteer evolving from a seminarian student to finally an ordained minister of the word, the word that speaks in many contexts and languages of the wonders of God. I have worked in both English and Spanish and have learned that speaking Spanish is not as popular or trendy as French, Italian, or Portuguese. That Spanish can be offensive to be spoken in public. That speaking Spanish labels one as a certain kind where the labeler decides where I belong or should belong. Adding to Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s words, I should be able to live bilingually in a nation where we will not be judged by the color of our skin or the accent that we speak, but by the content of our character. In figuring out how to be filled with the Holy Spirit with my native tongue, Spanish, and my adopt adoptive English, I am navigating the waters of uncertainty for having an accent, for not sounding like one usually would sound in one's native language, and for appropriating one's fullness of the Holy Spirit in a second foreign tongue. All these, plus trying to not lose one's own identity to fit in a foreign language. I have become an interpreter of sorts of the wonders of God in my very own multifaceted ministry. From immigration hurdles, to reclaiming my bilingual accented voice, to working my way through English in living it out like I live it out the way I am fully in Spanish. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the recent Messiah in the community's life, is indicated first, first of all, by the miracle of speaking in, an, in a known foreign languages. I have been transformed from a foreigner to the speaker of the word, to belonging to the risen one who is poured out in us as a teacher and comforter of disciples in the creator's absence. Gracias. Gracias. And now, if you are facilitating a discussion, we want these words to sink in. So we will ask the group we are facilitating to take a deep breath and slowly, slowly release breathing. And then again, do this at least a couple of times. Breathing in and releasing slowly, slowly, knowing that breathing is life. One more time, and releasing, and then we will ask the group, and we will ask you, as our test uh, mighty group, to 
write down the first things that come to mind when you hear this reading. The first things that move you as we hear the many ways in which racism can show its ugly face. And I'll get us started. I will tell you the minute I own my accent was the minute I heard Salma Hayat speaking in an interview and I'm like, I sound like her, there, I am Salma Hayat, there. And it became like, oh, right, it's all good. I will sound like a celebrity from now on. <laughs> and uh, so I opened the floor so that you can also express yourselves. I too found that extremely powerful. Uh, most of immigrants, and even my spouse, who's Filipino, who speaks English well, continues to think that he doesn't. And I want to sound American. What does that mean? I, I want you to be you. Uh, and so many of us get stuck. Y no hablamos English. We choose not to speak English because of our accents. Uh, you know, I had yesterday, and I don't really, quite frankly, know what to do with this, um, but somebody called for an interview and said, oh, geez, I'm so glad you speak English well, because I thought you were going to have a heavy Latinx. <laughs> you know, our accent is who we are, so I really appreciate uh, you daring to claim it, own it, embrace it, and fully live it out in the world. It's interesting. I I have sort of the flip side of that experience um, in that I have, and I think a lot of diaspora Latinx people relate to this, um, there's a lot of like guilt around not speaking Spanish. And so when I speak Spanish, even though I try I have an American accent and that can feel very um, like very awkward and very like weird to hear. And then Rena, you were sharing about how you heard a, a celebrity have the same accent as you. Well, recently I was watching that the millennials and Gen Z people maybe watching this will um, appreciate this. There's this show, this cartoon out um, called The Owl House. The main character is a Dominican uh, teenager. She's awesome. Her name is Luz. And she, she'll speak Spanish. She will throw out Spanish lines like, you know, interspersed through speaking English. And what's interesting is that her speaking Spanish sounds like English is still her first language. Like I could hear that um, accent come through and that and hearing that made that feel normalized. So it helps. I think it, that kind of thing can help a lot of people who, you know, maybe they can read and write Spanish pretty well, but the speaking is still hard because they have that shame around it. Um, and just, yeah, like owning, I mean, owning your accent, I think it can, you know, apply from all sorts of different angles too. I like to talk to, to say that I found um, sort of, I would say institutionalized racism in the sense that when my mom, when we migrated from Puerto Rico, my mom spoke very little English, and it was broken English, of course, because you know she, we didn't, she couldn't 
carry a, lo a long conversation. But she chose not to speak in Spanish to us at home. And so she would answer and talk to us in English. There's nine, I have nine siblings, you know, I'm the oldest of nine. I'm the only one that could read it, write it, and speak it Spanish because my mother refused to, you know, because she wanted us to learn English. She wanted us to learn English. And it was when I was 15, I realized I was losing my Spanish. And I made an intentional, I intentionally said, no, I don't want to lose my Spanish. You know, and I started listening to the Spanish stations. And I, at first it was like, it was, it was hard because I, 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 I couldn't make it out, but I kept at it and I kept at it and I kept at it. And finally one day I just like, wow, it's there, it's all there. And I was so excited. And then I started seeking uh, people that looked like me and spoke Spanish. And um, Taylor, I spoke Spanish with a, at first when I started speaking Spanish with an English accent like, you know, so I speak it much better now because I was intentional. I kept, you know, but it took, it took work because it was, I was losing it, you know? And so the idea that we have to let go of who we are is, is, is very disturbing to me because in the European countries, people speak three or four languages and it's acceptable. And yet in the United States of America, if you speak more than one language, it's frowned on, especially Spanish, you know? So that's my, you get me excited when you talk about this stuff. It's like, you know, because I've lived through a lot of that stuff, you know? That's precisely what we were hoping to do. Yes, go ahead, Justo, and then we'll. I also want to touch broader on what you said, and not just from that, but that God calls us from the essence of who we are, whether it's broken English That's or right. broken Spanish or trying to say a couple of words in French for Congolese people that are coming to service. God fully embraces, God called, God loves, God uses, and you became what God intended. And instead of allowing others to bring shame mm -hmm. upon an accent, mm -hmm. you uplifted it and you continue to uplift it in God's call and in all its beauty and majesty. I'd also like to say that I love praying in Spanish because I, when I learned to pray, I learned to pray in Spanish. And so I can pray in English with no problem, but I get much more meaning for me as a person, as a Latina, praying in Spanish. And so every church I go to, I don't care if it's a black church or white church or whatever church it is, when they ask me to pray, I pray in Spanish, you know, because that's where I feel God's connection even more, more deeper, because that's the way I learned to connect with God. And so I'm not ashamed to pray in Spanish, you know? I don't apologize for it. That's who I am. And I embrace it, you know? I, I would hope that those that are listening or watching embrace who they are in the yeah. by 
whatever that is, bilingual being of self in the world of all of us. It took me a while to figure that out myself, but I surrounded myself with individuals who affirmed me for who I was. And for the, the family that perhaps the chosen family, not necessarily the one that I grew up with, but you create new circles of family that will be there for you and embrace who you are, no matter what your language is or your accent, and that just know that you are welcome and that you should feel uh, to be part of who of the bigger picture of, of God's realm. So I encourage everyone to just find that chosen family, um, stand up and be proud of who you are. Amen. Amen. So this is what the Tulkis are intended to do, to do a taste of the flavor of conversations that liberate us and liberates our communities. Uh, es una probadita. It's like when you go to Costco and they make you taste something and you're like, okay, I'm going to buy that. I have three boxes of that. I want three boxes of the fry, fry egg roll. Um, so this is the toolkits for you. Uh, we're super excited to, now there are hard prints in the store that can be bought, bought uh, for $10 each, but you can always download the toolkits free uh, in our website. And I'm going to turn it over to Taylor, who's going to close us and, and Creo introduce Marilyn as well. Right. Um, so the toolkits, what is that, Rena? UCC.org. Search for Encuentros Latinx. Mm -hmm. and, then you, and then you'll find the toolkits there. They're available yeah. for download. And they're also available, do you mean in the UCC resources store? Are they there? Yes. There? Yeah, now they're there. Okay. That is is super awesome. Um, so this has been a special episode of Encuentros Latinx. You can find the uh, regular podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much all major distributors. We are also on YouTube. We have select uh, video episodes also on YouTube. Uh, go to the UCC's YouTube page, and there is a playlist for Encuentros Latinx. You can find podcast episodes and some uh, webinars that we've done as well outside of this podcast. Please um, rate, subscribe, leave reviews on the podcast. That helps to increase visibility. And it just uh, helps me feel like I'm not talking into dead space all the time. <laughs> um, if you leave nice comments, I will even read them on the next episode of the podcast that I do. Um, so there's plenty of reasons to send feedback to the show. The podcast does have its own email, which is Encuentros Latinx, but with an S after the X at gmail.com. So feel free to, you know, send any comments my way, you know, there as well. But the public reviews really do help with like algorithms and all that kind of stuff to increase the visibility of the show. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this. On behalf of Encuentros Latinx, we hope you'll join us on our next Encuentro.